June the 9th. Life takes on entirely new aspect, owing to astonishing and unprecedented success of minute and unpretentious literary effort, published last December, and incredibly written by myself. Reactions of family and friends to this unforeseen state of affairs, most interesting and varied. Dear Vicky and Robin, more than appreciative, although not allowed to read book, and compare me variously to Shakespeare, Dickens, author of the Dr. Doolittle books, and writer referred to by Vicky as Lamb's Tales. Mademoiselle, who has read book, only says, Ah, je m'en doutais bien, which makes me uneasy, although cannot exactly say why. Robert says very little indeed, but sits with copy of book for several evenings and turns over a page quite often. Eventually he shuts it and says, Yes. I ask what he thinks of it, and after a long silence he says that it is funny, but does not look amused. Later he refers to financial situation, as well he may, since it has been exceedingly grave for some time past, and we agree that this ought to make a difference. Conversation is then diverted to merits or demerits of the dole, about which Robert feels strongly, and I try to be intelligent, but do not bring it off, and difficulty of obtaining satisfactory raspberries from old and inferior canes. June the 12th. Letter from Angela arrives, expressing rather needless astonishment at recent literary success. Also note from Aunt Gertrude, who says that she has not read my book and does not, as a rule, care about modern fiction, as nothing is left to the imagination. Personally, I'm of opinion that this, in Aunt Gertrude's case, is fortunate, but do not, of course, write back and say so. Sissy Crabb, on postcard picturing San Francisco but bearing Norwich postmark as usual, says that a friend has lent her copy of book and she is looking forward to reading it. Most unlike dear Rose, who unhesitatingly spends seven and sixpence on acquiring it, in spite of free copy presented to her by myself on day of publication. Customary communication from bank, drawing my attention to a state of affairs which is only too well known to me already, enables me to write back in quite unwonted strain of optimism, assuring them that large check from publishers is hourly expected. Follow this up by much less confidently worded epistle to gentleman who has recently become privileged to act as my literary agent, inquiring when I may expect money from publishers and how much. Cook sends in a message to say that there has been a misfortune with the chops, and shall she make do with a tin of sardines? I'm obliged to agree to this, as only alternative is eggs, which will be required for breakfast. Mem. Inquire into nature of alleged misfortune in the morning. Second, and more straightforward, Mem, try not to lie awake, cold with apprehension at having to make this inquiry, but remind myself that it is well known that all servants despise mistresses who are afraid of them, and therefore it is better policy to be firm. June the 14th. Note curious and rather disturbing tendency of everybody in the neighbourhood to suspect me of putting them into a book. Our vicar's wife, particularly eloquent about this, and assures me that she recognised every single character in previous literary effort. She adds that she has never had time to write a book herself, but has often thought that she would like to do so. Little things, she says, one here, another there, quaint sayings, such as she hears every day of her life as she pops round the parish. Cranford, she adds in conclusion. I say, yes, indeed, being unable to think of anything else.
and we part. Later on, our vicar tells me that he likewise has never had time to write a book, but that if he did so and put down some of his personal experiences, no one would ever believe them to be true. Truth, says our vicar, is stranger than fiction. Very singular speculations thus given rise to, as to nature of incredible experiences undergone by our vicar. Can he have been involved in long ago cream passionnel? Or taken part in a duel in distant student days when sent to acquire German at Heidelberg. Imagination, always so far in advance of reason or even propriety, carries me to further lengths and obliges me to go upstairs and count laundry in order to change current of ideas. Vicky meets me on the stairs and says, with no preliminary, "Please can she go to school?" I'm unable to say either yes or no at this short notice and merely look at her in silence. She adds a brief statement to the effect that Robin went to school when he was her age, and then continues on her way downstairs, singing something of which the words are inaudible and the tune unrecognisable, but which I have inward conviction that I should think entirely unsuitable. I'm much exercised regarding question of school, and feel that as convinced feminist, it is my duty to take seriously into consideration argument quoted above.